0: Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka the Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. Thank you for listening in. And I really appreciate everyone that's taking the time to kind of hop on a podcast. And we have another great uh, guest for you today. Her name is uh, Sanas Yagmai. And uh, say hi to everyone, Sanas.
1: Hi everybody, thank you for having me, Colin.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, You're calling all the way from Greece. How is it over there right now?
1: Yes, I am. Uh, It is incredibly hot today, and uh, it's been good. It's a pretty awesome, hectic city, Mm. and I've been living here now for two months, coming from LA. Uh, Yeah. Awesome. I'm getting situated. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Well, for those of you who don't know who she is, uh, Sanas is a psychologist, educator, and trauma-informed yoga teacher. Um, she's a Iranian immigrant that was born and raised in Dubai and has lived in the U.S. since 2000. And most of her roots are actually uh, from the academic and clinical psychology field. And she has extensive experience working as a therapist in communities from all economic backgrounds. And uh, I'm really, really excited about what she does and uh, what she offers to her uh, patients and clients. So um, we're going to get into uh, you know the interview. And so my first question, us is why don't you tell me, you know, I find your story very, very um, enriching. So tell the audience members a little bit about uh, who you are. How did you get to Um, become yourself and get to where you are right now. You know, I know that you're a psychologist, you teach yoga with a very, very specific focus, but I also want to know like why this direction and how you got to this place.
1: So I am a psychologist and trauma-informed yoga teacher, as you mentioned. Um, I initially started my graduate school training um, entering the world of psychology as I was really interested in, um, mental health and wellness and how I can personally assist people in overcoming um, mental health challenges. And as I delved more into that world, I found that I was really intrigued by working with um, trauma survivors. Mm. And um, Throughout my graduate training, I worked with people from all walks of life, and uh, I found that I was really compelled to work with uh, marginalized communities. And that led me to uh, completing my postdoctoral training um, clinical work at a maximum security prison Mm -hmm. in Sacramento as a psychologist. And um, so that was after I graduated, I started working... And uh, working with the inmate population. And um, it was an all-male maximum security prison. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed working there. I found uh, the work to be incredibly rewarding. And I saw that most of my work with the inmates was um, really geared towards focusing on emotional regulation. And uh, it ended up always coming back to breathing techniques, um, calming down the nervous system. And uh, in addition to crisis intervention and suicide intervention, Mm -hmm. um, it was hard to really get deep into the stories of trauma and uh, their childhood history because of the situation and circumstances they were in. Um, It was more about finding ways for them to uh, access their inner landscaping kind of, and like find ways to regulate their nervous system better. And um, I loved doing the work. It was incredibly uh, empowering for that, for me to witness um, their Mm -hmm. growth. And um, in that time that I was there, I was actually um, physically assaulted by an inmate while walking through the yard one day. Mm -hmm. And um, that incident kind of, shifted the direction of my entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, that, was, that was basically at this point, it was three years ago. And, um, you know, I started uh, addressing my own symptoms of PTSD and um, just general symptoms of trauma um, and anxiety through therapy by mm-hmm. going to see a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, kind of doing the same work that I was doing with the inmates, but, mm-hmm. you know, just focusing on my own story and my own personal experiences. And um, I just kept going back to the therapist and I felt like something was missing. We were addressing the um, triggers and how it was entering my body and like how I felt in the moment and uh, discussing ways for me to calm down my nervous system, etc., mm-hmm. And I did find the tools to be incredibly helpful as I would practice them throughout my week. And then I would see her the following week and share how it was helping. However, there was this need, like additional need inside that I felt like something was missing. And um, that's when I remembered how yoga had helped me in the past in um, addressing feelings of, depression and anxiety while I was going through a divorce years mm-hmm. prior to this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that kind of just, you know, i just, I remembered that yoga had a really empowering effect on me. And then I decided that I'm going to reincorporate yoga back into my life. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did that and I started a 40 day yoga practice uh, to kind of get me really immersed into it. And after I did that 40-day practice, I um, decided to partake in a trauma-informed yoga-intensive workshop. Mm. And so this, the workshop was for basically, you don't have to be a yoga teacher. You can be for, any, for anybody if they're working on personal healing, or it could be for people, teachers, yoga teachers, nurses, anybody who works with people uh, – trauma uh, survivors related to trauma yeah so I was initially uh, participating in that for my own personal healing and I found it the three-day intensive to be incredibly rewarding I learned a lot more you know I had learned about trauma uh through my graduate training Mm -hmm. but not in the way that this training had offered like not in not in the teaching's the, that this training had offered this was more focused on it kind of delved a little deeper into trauma and the nervous system and the neuroscience behind uh the tra- how trauma enters the body how it impacts the mind and the psychosocial aspects of it as well and then it also incorporated how yoga practices and meditation and mindfulness can um address the symptoms of trauma and yeah. lower and um it was just a very empowering to see how I had the tools within me, you know, that I didn't necessarily have to gain some additional teachings. Like I, I everything that we learned was that we just have to reconnect within and through the practice of yoga, breath work, um, closing our eyes and delving inwards, we can find ways to regulate our nervous system even better. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's super awesome. Um, Well, number one, thank you for sharing that. I mean, um, you know, you had shared some, um, some vulnerable points. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, because when I when I saw that you did trauma informed yoga, and I was thinking, you know, is this something that she created is something that's already been established. And I love the fact that you know, even though you were, you know, you said that you got a lot from uh, that part of your career when you were working at the maximum security prison. And then, you know, you had that incident that had in the yard. It's almost like, you know, to me, you know, the, the incident, if it didn't happen, um, maybe you probably wouldn't have gone down this road, right? Like you probably would have Definitely. continued, you probably would have continued counseling, you know, prisoners mm-hmm. and, you know, something still within the clinical. You know psychology you know field and i think this is such a beautiful beautiful um you know uh, mesh of you know yoga which is you know a very physical mental emotional spiritual type of practice been practiced for thousands of years and um and also incorporating uh, modern uh, clinical psychology you know which is really really unique so What other additional, uh, besides, um, you know, the incidents and, uh, you said that, uh, you had gone through a divorce, um, before, like what other like challenges, um, did you face that you felt like, um, needed, uh, to be addressed before where you are now to be so effective at what you do?
1: Um, that's an interesting question. I feel like there's quite uh, the, definitely the, um, the incident at the prison kind of opened the pathway for me to delve inward and then face challenges that I didn't Mm -hmm. know resided within me that ultimately in the end I learned that those challenges had to be faced and addressed in order for me to be where I am today, Mm -hmm. right? So one of them was um, addressing the... I guess the narrative that I had established in my own mind of uh, feelings of unworthiness Mm. and feelings of inadequacy. So I definitely worked through and continue to work through, I should say. Um, I feel like it's a constant work in progress Mm -hmm. of um, just feeling, um, particularly with the work that I'm doing, like, feelings of like imposter syndrome for example yeah and that you know I am not good enough to do this work I Mm -hmm. am not smart enough to do this work or um, my story isn't as you know powerful or as deep like just that whole aspect of comparison Mm -hmm. was so ingrained in me and I really had to learn how to let that go Mm because in order for me to be able to thrive and shine and uh, live a life that is really authentically me. I had to let go of the, that narrative of uh, comparison. Mm-hmm. And, um, one of the ways in which I feel like I have been addressing that. Well, well, first of all, one of them is, uh, in addition to the therapy and the yoga practice, I also have been working with a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically seeking support, I would say, um, Finding the courage to be vulnerable and put yourself out there and acknowledge that, you know, it's okay to seek out support. Mm-hmm. And um, because a lot of times people look at that as a weakness, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I feel like it's definitely it's a courageous act of uh, self-love. And when we're able to do that, we have an outsider assisting us in kind of uh, rewriting our narrative and questioning those beliefs that we've created in our minds about inadequacy or being less than or whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah, so those are great great points. And I think that um, in some way, shape or form, um, no matter how it manifests, you know, you have mentioned imposter You know, syndrome and a lot of things that we tell ourselves. You know, I think that Mm -hmm. each one of us um, in the audience would agree that, you know, we go through stories and thoughts that, you know, I'm not good enough, not smart enough, um, the fear of success and failure and, you know, all this other Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's really about the narrative that you create, right? And, for me, yeah. like, you know, I feel that uh, a lot of it is based off of our life experiences and outside influences because I don't I, I'm a big believer mm-hmm. that we're not really born into this world with those thoughts. And it's kind of more mm-hmm. like how we're you know, actually taught or given. And if we are not aware of where okay. uh, these um, narratives come from, because it may not even be your own. It may not. It may actually be from someone else's. Uh, if you're not mm-hmm. aware exactly. of these narratives, um, you know, it could turn into something um, not that pretty, <laughs> you know? So, so I'm interested. And I'm sometimes very,
1: these very, narratives are intergenerational, you know, like sometimes yes. they are, they yes. are intergenerational in addition to societal and, you know, systemic, it's just, it's everywhere from the macro to the micro.
0: Yes. Um, these yes. narratives
1: are ingrained, or find ways to make their way into our, into our mind and sometimes even enter their way into like, you know, the DNA and it goes into like epigenetics and stuff. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, fully agree. And the thing is, is that um, I agree with you with the intergenerational. I mean, I was born to um, (coughs) Chinese, uh, Chinese uh, parents um, and they're Mm -hmm. immigrants. And for me, I'm a first generation American. So, Uh, I could see Mm -hmm. a lot of trauma and um, pretty much misery. I'm a big believer that misery can be passed down um, if you're not aware of it. And, um, you know, I could see that through my extended family members and, you know, the generation before my parents. And so um, so for me, I feel like it's a it's a huge Um, I think it's a responsibility in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to call it an obligation, but it's a responsibility once you are aware Mm -hmm. of it to not, um, continue that cycle, you know, with, if you choose to have kids to not pass that down, you know, so, um, so yeah. that's that's awesome. And even
1: within your communities, yeah well. Like but even if you don't, have, you know, children. Like it's just you. If one person cre- begins to shift that narrative in their own mind, and um, we can work towards strengthening communities and changing the the narratives of communities and right. the narratives of um, systemic oppression, and
0: mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I'm a big believer that so it you know, I do of- I
1: do think it is an obligation. So yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a big believer that words are very, very, very powerful. And, um, you know, when Definitely. you look at different cultures, yeah. religion, um, history and time, it's like, it's really, you have to be very, very careful and wise about how you use words because it makes so much of an mm-hmm. impact and you could use words to, um, you know, in um, you know, good or, you know, actually destroy it. I actually just, I quoted, um, I just came up with this and I posted this before I was like, you know, words are so powerful and, you know, uh, you, they can be used to destroy like, you know, Hitler, or they could be used to like inspire, like, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. for example, you know? So, Mm
1: -hmm. um,
0: so it's really, 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 um, uh, powerful. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. So I'm very curious. Uh, what do you have going on in terms of your present work? Um, now that we've taken, um, you know, your story and, uh, and how you got through everything, like, what are you working on? Um, because it seems like you do retreats, you do programs, Um, You know, uh, how have you meshed what you have uh, learned personally and professionally and how how do you give that back to patients and clients?
1: Yeah. um, So currently I am working. I've kind of established a programming that is uh, to support humanitarian aid workers as well as refugees in refugee camps. So I've just recently started my this new chapter embarking on this journey where I'm traveling the world mm-hmm. and um, uh, going into different refugee camps and offering uh, yoga trauma informed yoga healing circles for both women and men, and then also holding spaces for humanitarian aid workers mm. um, at various capacities so yeah, so when I started this program I left it kind of open for change. And I decided that I one thing that I knew going in was that I wanted to offer support to humanitarian aid workers in addition to the refugees. Mm. And so Greece has, Greece has been my first stop and I have been um, here for two and a half months. And I am kind of figuring out how I'm choosing to create this space for aid workers and so far i've run a a training on um, what is it so secondary trauma and mm-hmm. self-care and self-compassion mm. and then um also held uh listening circles where we basically just gather and come together and share our stories and share our just day-to-day processes and of working with um the refugee population because it can be incredibly you know, overwhelming and it can lead to symptoms of compassion fatigue and um, secondary trauma. So I believe it's really important that we address the needs of humanitarian aid workers and be um, be there for support so they can um, thrive, and then ultimately mm. they can offer better support to the communities that they're serving.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, That's so with the yoga, cool.
1: the trauma informed with the trauma informed yoga healing circles that I offer. Um, they're basically a healing space for women and men where it's part, um, self-reflection and Mm -hmm. then it's part yoga. So it's -hmm. half and half. Yeah. And, um, it's been really, uh, beautiful, empowering, humbling experience for me to create this space and watch how it has been um, unfolding in their lives and in my own personal experience and personal life. So So do you have a a,
0: um, do you have people that work with you or do you have like a a, is there like an organization that you work with over there that, you know, are familiar with your skill sets to be able to support you or do you just lead mm -hmm. the entire thing?
1: So I'm doing this entirely on my own. I just decided to take a year off and Mm. kind of um, put myself out there. I've I reached out to different I reached out to an NGO called Mm -hmm. Refuge Gym. Mm-hmm. And they offer sports activities and exercise programming to the refugees at a, at a refugee camp here in um, the north of Athens. And I reached out to them and I told them that, you know, I'm interested in offering these yoga healing circles. And they were entirely on board. And they said that I can use their space and um, basically incorporate my yoga classes into their scheduling of mm-hmm. their you know, exercise programming. Yeah. So that's kind of how I do it. I reach out, I look on, I just do a research online and I look for NGOs that, you know, that kind of in line with my values and yeah.
0: So that's, that's really inspiring. I love it. It's really cool. And it's so um, well, the, the, even I, I think even the piece about going to help out humanitarians that are helping out refugees, because you know, in a way, it's like, yes, you know, refugees, you know, have a certain amount of struggles and challenges and obstacles, right? But I think we don't really think about the aid workers that go over there and the amount of time, you know, that they spend, um, you know, over there. And, you know, if they're sacrificing, you know, some part of their life back home, wherever home is for them. And, uh, you know, so, And who knows what kind of stuff that they see, you know, when they're out in the field. And, um, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's beautiful how, like, you know, you incorporate the humanitarian aid workers as well as refugees, because it it almost completes a circle in where um, they get to connect with each other. They get to level at some form of understanding that, you know what, we're all human beings. We all, you know, uh, experience trauma in some various form and that you know we are here to you know just learn grow heal and you know essentially do better you know what i'm saying so i think it's yeah, beautiful exactly. the work that you do so thank you yeah thank you. I yeah i
1: appreciate that
0: yeah. yeah um so my question is is that it it's interesting from your work um you know you've done it domestically now you've done it you know uh, internationally now like what do you think my next question is what do you think most people are Missing um, from their lives um, in terms of mm-hmm. um, you know that that the space uh, that you're in is there any type of like universal um, very very similar uh, themes that you see when you um, you know help these people out in the system with their with their trauma?
1: When specifically referring to the refugee population, I don't know if I would feel comfortable generalizing. Okay, because sure. Because granted, my f- I'm very new into this field, and I just started working there. Um, but I guess one thing I can say with my overall experience in my the last decade, almost, of doing this work, including the work that I'm doing currently, <laughs> is um, I think one of the things we're missing, and one of the things I've slowly learned over the last few recent years, actually, is to give ourselves permission to feel all feelings and to respect and honor all of our feelings as, as, uh, as valid feelings. Um, I feel like a lot of times we, we kind of, uh, shy away from expressing feelings of sadness or expressing feelings of fear or grief or anger and loss. Um, and we, we don't, we kind of, su- we suppress it. And in turn, we're not, you know honoring all of us we're not respecting the whole being and all that makes up for this uh, human Mm. experience of ours. um so i feel that it's important for us to give ourselves permission to feel all Mm -hmm. feelings and Mm -hmm. to respect them equally and then also to give ourselves permission to be okay with not being okay Mm -hmm. if that makes sense
0: yes no totally
1: um and then permission to say no and to set boundaries and to be okay with walking away from certain opportunities. I just feel like we're always there's so much pressure from like societal expectations to be a certain way and feel a certain way and act a certain way that we we lose touch with our innate our body's innate wisdom and our body's innate um capacity to hold various uh to, to hold a whole range of feelings and to be okay with it so yeah that's one thing that i've i would mm-hmm. say is yeah. definitely missing
0: yeah yeah so that's um i was going to say innate knowing because uh it's uh, it's just mm-hmm. something that's um i agree with you something like we're we're really out of tune and especially with Mm-hmm. The current era that we're in, the information age and social media age, where uh, to me, it's kind of like it doesn't matter what it is in a way. It's just that we're just overall distracted as a society. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm referring more, uh, you know, uh, in terms of Americans. um you know i don't yeah. live. i haven't lived uh technically i haven't lived anywhere else but i do travel a lot and um mm-hmm. you know i think uh you know we can be very easily distracted now very very easily distracted and um yeah and that takes away from are, like you said, are our internal compass, so to speak, of knowing that you're, you have the ability and capabilities of guiding oneself, um, to pretty much, you know, challenges, you know, and obstacles in your life that comes up and you don't give, give yourself, like you said, the opportunity. And I think that's one of the biggest, it's just very, um, it's sad, you know, in a way. And I think yeah. that we need reminders, um, you know, from people like yourself and, you know, from mentors and therapists and counselors and coaches and teachers, you know. And we need reminders that, you know what, we have all the tools that we, you know, possess. And, you know, as long as you're able to find time and practice tapping into it um, you know, you can be, you know, awesome, you know, not, uh, not just for yourself, but for others. So, so that's, that's Mm -hmm. great. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to ThriveBytes. Let's get back to the interview. So my next question is, is that uh, what do you envision? Like if you're looking ahead, um, you know, what do you envision people, uh, and you probably already answered this already, but like what do you envision people have a better grasp at um, in terms of, you know, their overall, mental, emotional, and physical health, you know, like, what do you, th- mm-hmm. what do you think, um, uh, you know, people with better tools can be able to do?
1: One of the things that is important for us to kind of shift our mindset in uh, in surrounding our inner dialogue. And, um, like you mentioned it actually about like the words that we use, I feel like, um, Basically, we nourish our mind, body, and soul with the words that we use uh, surrounding our inner dialogue. Um, The words we use to describe um, ourselves, our characteristics, and kind of like how we go about just narrating our day-to-day life experiences. Um, If we can find ways to speak to ourselves with less um, deficit-based language and... uh, mm I like that less 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 fear based language mm-hmm. less um you know all of that and and focus uh, make that shift towards uh more empowering and kind of like just being our own uh, cheerleader
0: yes yes being
1: our being our cheerleader and being our own best friend as opposed mm-hmm. to our worst enemy I feel like if we can make those shifts it just in turn will allow for not only an internal state of uh, I don't want to say peace but more contentment, yes, um, and then that'll reflect in our interactions yeah. with the the world and community around us, and then we can ultimately be better teachers, um, whether it's like to our children or to our mm-hmm. communities or whatever the case may be and again like like you mentioned it that's just the words i feel like if we have a better grasp at the fact that words are incredibly powerful and um they they quite literally shape our reality and um and it's and in order for us to and in in order for us to create a shift as a Like in our collective consciousness, Mm -hmm. we need to start within. It has to start with that inner dialogue. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that inner dialogue, I feel like we have to also, I guess this is the mindfulness aspect of it, is we have to remember that our thoughts are not facts. I always tell people this. Mm -hmm. Our thoughts are not facts. And especially because we've had all these, like the narratives that we talked about, we've had all these narratives like ingrained in us, we think these narratives are true, and so we live our life based on based on those yes. facts. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we have to really shift, give ourselves permission to question and kind of uh, go into critical self inquiry, and um, question our thoughts and ask ourselves: Is this is this true? Is what what is the evidence behind this? Um, have I proven this? to be false before and, you know, kind of just question it and then go from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, I don't know if you're familiar or any of the audience members are familiar with uh, Don Miguel uh, Ruiz's work and his family um, Mm -hmm. with the four agreements, Mm -hmm. but, you know, you touch on a lot of points, um, you know, that are similar and uh, it's really about the belief system, you know, the, the, I, I mean, I mean, I call it, you know, limiting belief systems, um, you know, that inhibit us, you know, so it's really about what you have presently in your head and then your actions mm-hmm. and your, your decisions, um, that lead to those actions are based off of that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's exactly. can be and that can be scary sometimes, you know, from, you know, just yeah. in our world right now, we have shootings and, you know, so many murders and all this other stuff and riots and protests that leads to X, Y, and Z. And, you know, it's based off of certain belief systems. And, um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, on the individual level, it's, uh, like you said, it's like beating yourself up or telling yourself that, you are incapable or not good enough and then guess what you don't mm-hmm. go for that job interview you don't um yeah. you know you don't end the relationship you don't um yeah. you know uh talk to your children or you don't make time you, you know what i'm saying so it's kind of like mm-hmm. you know it holds you back you're, you know so you're just not yeah. aware of
1: you're that keeping yourself
0: small yeah yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm going to conclude, and uh, you probably have mentioned this, um, you know, we've had a lot of great, you know, nuggets um, in between, Um, but I would love to know, you know, how, you know, what are three, what are, uh, what are, what has made you personally thrive over time and um, kind of impart to our audience members, like some, like three tips that they could do like right now based off of that.
1: I guess the first one would be what I just said was be your biggest fan rather than your own worst enemy. Mm. Um, And that goes back to that self dialogue is um, just notice your inner dialogue. Notice how you go about speaking to yourself the next time you, you know, something happens and you kind of like start to beat yourself up over it. Um, Just noticing, I guess would be my first tip and noticing Mm. your inner dialogue. And then another one would be uh, practicing self-compassion, carving out some time in your day every day to delve inward and um, just find your center amidst the chaos of your busy. Mm-hmm. And um, remind yourself that you are bigger than your current state, whatever that state may be. Remind yourself that your imperfections or your mistakes, they're all normal um, remind yourself that you're only human and that you're you're not alone in this whole experience. Mm. So just giving yourself those, those reminders of uh, self-compassion and um, moving towards self-acceptance of your everyday experience. Okay, and finally, one of the most challenging yet incredibly rewarding tips that's allowed me uh, to shift towards thriving has been to give myself permission to nourish my dreams and starve my fears
0: mm. by
1: allowing myself to be vulnerable and courageous. So going back to me, like seeking support, um, putting myself out there, taking those trainings when I felt incredibly uncomfortable being in a group setting and yeah. talking about my experiences, just all of those things. So I guess my final tip would be if you're feeling unfulfilled in a certain area of your life i would encourage you to challenge those self-doubts and fears that are likely holding you back Mm. Um, allow yourself to be vulnerable and sit with those feelings of discomfort like i said you know it's important for us to honor all of our feelings so sit with those feelings of discomfort and um maybe you can find ways to challenge them rather than allowing them to control you yeah
0: yeah
1: and um Maybe there's a fear of failure or maybe it's a fear of um, being seen. Um, And can we view those fears as obstacles to work through rather than barriers that are holding us from thriving?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much um, for taking your time out um, of your uh, journey right now, starting in Greece. Um, I think you do incredible work. I think you are... Um, an incredible healer. And uh, I really appreciate that you, um, you know, have uh, given uh, me and this podcast and our audience members an opportunity to listen uh, what you do and how you uh, pretty much uh, help the world. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time out for the podcast.
1: Well, that's awesome. That's very sweet of you. Thank you. I appreciate your (laughs) kind words
0: how um if people are interested in learning more about you how can they reach out to you find out more about you
1: mm-hmm. um my i have a website the website is um alchemy of trauma and um i'm basically always looking for NGOs who are interested in collaborating with me So NGOs in different parts of the world that are um, working at refugee camps or working with humanitarian aid workers. And then also my Instagram page is um, at Dr. Yagmai. And uh, I share, I'm trying to share stories of my experiences at the camps or stories of the refugees. Um, So, yeah, I would love for you to follow me there and um, just follow along my journey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, please do. Um, it's, our uh, stuff is amazing. So, um, so Sanas, again, thank Thanks. you so much. Um, really, really appreciate it. Guys, if uh, you like this episode, uh, please follow and subscribe along. And uh, please share this with others. This has been another episode of Thrive Bites. And uh, we will see you on the next one. Thanks, Sanas. Thank you. Hey, guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.